Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. So, do you want marketing made simple? Shopify removes the guesswork with built-in tools that help you create, execute, and analyze all your online marketing campaigns. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com income, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com income now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com income. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Well, first of all, I wanted to start with this very simple question, which is, are there sections of rap in the show that get stuck in your head in the way that like a normal melody or song would? Yes. Because up until the show, I didn't realize that a rap could get stuck in your head, as ignorant as as it sounds. I, I just hadn't had the exposure to it. Lights up. On Washington Heights, up right. at the break of dawn, I wake up. Yeah. Nobody see you guys, see you guys. Welcome, everybody. Uh, we're back. It's 2020, and we're back at a musical theater podcast where we discuss the emotional and cultural impact of some of our favorite shows in theater history. My name is Jeffrey Scott Parsons. You can call me Jeff. Y al frente de mí es la mujer con el espíritu de fuego y la voz del ángel. It's Deborah Cardona. Hi. Qué lindo. Tus palabras. Ah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm so grateful you're here. You are the perfect guest for this show for In the Heights, which, oh, by the way, shout out to our listener, Sebastian, who requested that we cover In the Heights. So this is for you, buddy. Hi, Sebastian. (laughs) We're covering In the Heights today. And Deborah, you said you've done the show how many times? Five times. Oh, my goodness. When was the first? The first I did the first regional production back in 2013 uh, at Pioneer Pioneer Theater Company in Salt Lake City, Utah. The motherland. Yes, yes, yes. And um, our Usnavi was Joseph Morales, who is who is playing Hamilton on tour right now. Oh, fantastic. He was he was the Hamilton alternate in the Chicago company and then took over. And he's he's been Hamilton for a few years. Um, Our Sonny was Anthony Ramos. Oh. Yes. How and cool. Anthony Ramos, I think he had they gave him his equity card doing that show. Oh my gosh. He was amazing. You know, he's a young kid. He's from Brooklyn. <laughs> um he had such joy playing Sonny and so much crazy talent. Um 
And it's so, I'm so excited to see him play Usnavi in the movie. Look, uh, maybe we'll talk about the movie. Maybe we won't. But the point is, I'm really excited about it because it looks like they did it right. And there's a lot of changes, so I'm a little nervous about it. But um, but I'm really curious to see. And also, I want to see all my friends in it. Of course. I'm sure. That's so exciting. Okay, so real quick. When I was in Utah, when I was growing up, Pioneer Theater Company would not touch musicals. What? Isn't that interesting? Wow. They were they were way too high class to do musical theater. And then that kind of all changed right as I was leaving town. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden they were doing like a musical a season and now they're doing Yeah. You know, some yeah. some really great regional musical theater. Yeah, what I I did In the Heights there and then a few years before I did The Light in the Piazza there. Oh. Oh, my gosh, right. You played uh, Senora, right? Yes. Oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> beautiful, cool. beautiful production. I'm sure. And In the Heights did really, really well. Um, we got a lot of young people, mm-hmm. uh, and they would come over and over again. How cool. You know, and they would wait for us to come out of the stage door. You played, of course, Abuela. Abuela. That was my first Abuela. Um, and I had I did not get into the original production. And I had seen it on Broadway and cried through the whole thing. <laughs> and I just wanted to do In the Heights so badly. So to be able to do the first regional production and play Abuela was just, it, it was a dream come what true. A joy. You know, at the time that I auditioned for the show bef- when it was going off Broadway, I didn't really know anything about it. I knew Kiata's work. I didn't know Lynn's work at all. Mm-hmm. I mean, this was yeah. the first, you know. It was, his, that's, it, was, that, it was his introduction to the world. Yeah, he like smashed down the door <laughs> you for know, his entrance. And so they gave us, they gave me, I was auditioning to like cover Abuela and okay. Camila, the mother, mm-hmm. you know, but I didn't know anything about the story. So you're kind of auditioning in a vacuum. Vacuum, yeah, yeah. So when I went and saw it after it opened, I went, oh my God. I call it Fiddler on the Roof in Washington Heights. Absolutely. Because it's about a community of people. Whereas Fiddler on the Roof is about tradition, mm-hmm. In the Heights is about home and community. Um, yes, Fiddler is about community as well, community and tradition. Mm-hmm. And this is community and home and not necessarily the home where you came from, but the home and the people you choose to make home with. It's all the people from Fiddler living in Washington Heights. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. This this is a um this is a neighborhood of predominantly immigrants from all over the Caribbean and South America and Mexico. It's just a whole bunch of outsiders coming and making a family in this neighborhood. In my neighborhood in Spanish Harlem, you know, because my grandparents had lived there for so many years and my parents grew up there and mm. then I was born there. I lived there until I was about seven and then we moved to the Bronx. You know, you know the people in the neighborhood. You know, there was Kuka who would, you would go and get the pasteles from and the yeah. pastelillos and she would <laughs> sell them out of her house. Now, these are meat pies. Yes, of course. Fantastic. Oh, I'm you sure. You know, and there's nothing like if you know the lady in the neighborhood that makes them from scratch. She's she's the hookup. <laughs> I mean, you could go to the comida criolla place, and it's fine, and it's and it's good, and it's fine. But it's like if your aunt makes those, like my aunt would only make pasteles 
for Christmas. Right. Because it's really work intensive. You know. Yeah, that would be like tamales here. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. You have to have your hookup mm-hmm. for the holidays. Right. This is the person you go to and you get five dozen of them and <laughs> you take them home. So, oh, I love that so But, much. you know, you knew the people in the neighborhood. And look, my neighborhood was not the safest neighborhood in the world, but we all looked out for each other. You know, if something was going down that was not too good, you would get a warning. You know, mm. you, people would make You'd sure that you it. got escorted home or everyone in the neighborhood depended on each other. And and it is and and that's not just a thing for Washington Heights or Spanish Harlem. It's it's a universal thing. Absolutely. If you grew up in a neighborhood where even several generations of your family have grown up in the neighborhood, that's that creates a special dynamic. And I think it speaks to everyone. Oh, I, I completely agree. The universality of In the Heights is what is enduring about it. Mm-hmm. You know, representation is amazing, but if it doesn't connect with everyone who who isn't necessarily born or look like those people, then I'm not entirely sure it has lasting power and In the Heights will. Yes. Because of of this fact, we grow up in maybe a society that continually shows us commercials of how we're supposed to look or, you know, supposed to operate as a family. But when it comes down to it, circumstances don't create home. Mm-hmm. What creates home is love and people and looking out for each other, mm-hmm. you know. And I, I think that's yeah. what's so special about you this You create group. a family. Yeah. You know, and I think that's why people really respond so positively. The fact that you can you can put rap in a musical mm-hmm. and not necessarily make it a rap musical. Sure. It's very Traditional. traditional. No, it's incredibly traditional. Uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda is a, you know, he's a musical theater geek. He grew up listening to all these cast album, albums like I did when I was a kid. Right. So, but what I, I also love about In the Heights is any other musical, and there weren't a lot of musicals about uh, uh, Latin American and Hispanic people. West Side Story is about gangs. Well, and Zoot Suit is about the Zoot Suit riots. The Cape Man, he was a gang guy. Mm-hmm. It's 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 a negative connotation, and it's not that it's not true. Mm-hmm. There there is truth in that, but it's not the only thing that divide that defines, that defines us. Yeah. Uh, you know, just like everybody else who's ever come to the United States, they want a fresh beginning and they want better things for their children. Absolutely. So to have a Latinx musical that has nothing to do with violence and gangs made me so happy. And also have it be about my experience. It's something that I've never been able to express in a musical. Mm -hmm. So whenever I do it, I feel like I'm showing the audience who I am and where I come from. And... It's it's really deep. It makes this musical have such a special place in my heart because I never thought that I'd see anything like it. Well, it is such a slice of life show as, as you know, sweet as the plot is. It's really not about the plot. It is about this slice of life, seeing these three days in, in yeah. this community's life. It's three days after which, during which everything is going to change. It will never be the same. Right. 
Um, just like in Fiddler on the Roof, you have three days to leave. Exactly. Oh, my gosh. So <laughs> I, we started this uh, this whole podcast with an episode about Fiddler on the Roof, and now we're starting our second little season with uh, In the Heights, which is basically Fiddler on the Roof yes. in Washington Heights. Exactly. Yes. And I think I think uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda would... Uh... He would I think he'd appreciate <laughs> it. Yeah, I think he agrees with that. I, I think he's spoken about that as well. Oh, that's cool. Mm-hmm. Let's talk a little bit about Lin. So he went to Wesley, Wesleyan? Yeah. Is that right? Wesleyan College in Connecticut. Was, of course, a huge musical theater nerd. And while he was there, he worked on... A show called In the Heights. Yeah. And and from what I have heard him say, all that is left of that original <laughs> that original piece is the words in the heights. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he had done uh, you know, uh uh a weekend production of it yeah. at school. They couldn't get I just read an interview where he said they couldn't get a band because all the good musicians were playing at some sort of music festival. Oh, so no. he borrowed money and he did he did a pre-recorded uh, thing and everybody sang to, to a track. And then they recorded it and sold it. That's so <laughs> when they were doing the show Man. that weekend so that he could make enough money to pay back the money he had borrowed. The, in but order to use that. That CD uh, uh, somehow fell into Tommy Kale's, the direct who wound up directing it years later, his hands. Uh, and after, and I think they met after, after he graduated. He graduated mm-hmm. And he approached him about this show, and he was like, "It should do this, and this should be here, and the in the Heights numbers that should be the first one, and not the third one." And he was like, "What is what is <laughs> you know?" And then they brought in a, another book writer. They right. they brought in Kiara Alegiahudes. I, I, I think she had, or sorry, Lynn had rewrote it several times, mm-hmm. and then they brought in Kiara. Who yeah. I had seen one of her really early plays that a friend of mine directed. Oh, um, and then she had a play called Elliot, a soldier, a soldier story, story. Yeah, mm-hmm. that was playing in a little off off Broadway house, but she was getting a lot of buzz about yeah. her. Um, that was eventually part of a trilogy, right? It's a right? trilogy. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. I want to do Water by the Spoonful so bad. Which is what won her the Pulitzer Prize. Yes, yes. Wonderful playwright. Oh, incredible. And what do you think her main contributions were to it? She gave it a real form. Mm. She really helped give it an arc. A dial-in. Yeah. And also, they worked on it for seven years before it was off-Broadway. I don't um, There I don't... was uh, Neen. Nina had a gay brother who was also in love with Benny. Whoa. Yeah, named Lincoln. Wow. Yeah. I hadn't, I've never heard of that. That's you know, fascinating. Yeah, and he served as commentary. Oh. And then they decided that it really has to be all about Usnavi. It has to be from his point of view. You He's know, the storyteller. The bodega is the center. Mm-hmm. Which is so smart. Mm-hmm. Everybody, everybody there needs to get their coffee, so they all come in and yeah. see Usnavi. Oh in the yeah, morning. I love. I, I, no offense to Seven Eleven, but I don't like Seven Eleven. I like my bodega. Yeah, I grew up with bodega. Well, because I feel like Seven Eleven never really has what you need. Oh, and you don't have a relationship with the people at Seven Eleven like you do at your bodega. Yeah, you walk into your corner bodega, they know how you like your coffee. They know what you're looking for. That you know, mm-hmm. there's always a cat. <laughs> also, they, they they stock the specific kinds of foods that the people in the neighborhood are just going to run in and get. Right. 
So because they know the people. It's not about what the corporate sent. It's like actually the things that people are going to buy and eat. Yeah. Yeah. One of my uncles owned a bodega. Really? How cute. Uh, you know, and he never. Now, uh, my uncle, n- I never heard him speak English. Really? Yeah. He always spoke Spanish. You know, it, his, his bodega was in the Bronx. Everybody spoke Spanish. So he never really. No need. He could understand, but he couldn't have a conversation with you. Mm-hmm. You know. I love that line where Nina talks about how she thought the map of the world was the subway yeah. uh, map. Yeah. And I can just see that when you live in a city like that, and it is essentially the world in this tiny microcosm. You're like, what is, is the world beyond this island? I don't, I don't yeah, even know. You kind of, if you, I mean, I am assuming that the first time Nina leaves that neighborhood is when she goes to Stanford. That's crazy. That's hard. Yeah. Um, I remember. I felt like I had a lot most in common with Nina when I first saw it, and also Vanessa. Because oh. Vanessa wants to move downtown, mm. which is what I eventually did. How cute. Um, also, in my family, I went to NYU. Oh. Yeah. I mean, that was a that big That was huge. Deal. Yeah. You, so you have you have an uncle who doesn't speak any English, and then you went to NYU? I that's went to a NYU. Big, that's a big leap. It's a culture shock. And I'm glad I didn't leave New York. I'm not quite sure how I would have been able to handle it. Mm. Yet people do it, leave their homes all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but even growing up in New York to leave New York, it's just as traumatic as, you as, know, as the rest of the us mid- going yeah, there. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So I can only imagine. Also, you know, when you're the kid that everybody's counting on getting out and doing better <sighs> right. and being the big success. That's a lot of pressure. Well, that's the other thing that I think this show does so beautifully and why I think it fits so wonderfully in the canon of American musical theater is that the American immigrant and the first generation children of those immigrants is a very specific type of pressure and experience. Mm -hmm. And I feel like this musical is able to show the varying degrees of what that means in different people's lives. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, even if, you know, you grew up in a farm town, you know, like, well, I'm going to be a doctor and I'm going to move to Seattle or I'm going to move to Los Angeles or, you know, or New York. That's that's huge. That's also, huge. the fact that you're going to be something like a doctor is a huge thing in your community. So mm-hmm. everybody's rooting for you. Right. They, they want you to succeed. Your success reflects well on them. Hmm. It means that the community did its job. Yeah. I remember, I can't remember if it was a documentary, but there was this, a guy who became a professional dancer who grew up in the projects and the interviewer automatically assumed that he was bullied for being a dancer and living in, in the projects. And he kind of said absolutely not, that everybody else saw the gift and was like, oh, you're going to make it out of here Mm -hmm. because you've got this skill. And so even if he was kind of a a flamboyant boy who loved dancing in kind of a Billy Elliot sort of way, Mm -hmm. they they had his back. Yeah. I think that's so beautiful. And I don't I think we don't give people enough credit for how they root for each other. Yeah. Yeah. Every success is not just one person by themselves. Hmm. It's a whole army of people that has influenced that person's life 
so that they can get there. It's not just you. You are a conglomeration of the people that came before you and your environment and, you know, you know, the people that encouraged you, the people that didn't encourage you. It's so it's it's not just in a vacuum. Mm. I wonder if we easily we more easily forget that in the affluent white community. I don't know. I am grateful because I was raised in the church, which was a very Mm -hmm. strong community. And so there were leaders and mentors and people surrounding surrounding me who I felt like were rooting for me. And I I don't feel like I could have done it without them, including my family. Mm -hmm. But I wonder I wonder sometimes if if we forget about that privilege. I think we do as the generations kind of go on Mm. and you take for granted what your grandparents had to go through so that you could have that. Yeah. You just forget unless you have to go through it yourself. Mm. Going back to kind of the history of the show. Mm -hmm. So Tommy, Kale uh, signs on, they get Kiara. Yeah. um, Alex Lacamoire is is musical director. Yeah. And obviously this is, these are all new voices to Broadway. Yes. Which means that it didn't start out on Broadway. It had its, big professional premiere off-Broadway. Yes, and it had been workshopped for seven years. I don't think people realize how long it takes to get yeah. a musical up and going. You know, like it, you're playing the long game when you write a musical nowadays. Uh, seven years is probably standard. Yeah. Unless, you know, it's based on a catalog of previously known material or yeah. something. We're t- this is a this is a completely original musical yeah. that's not based on a movie, it's not based on yeah. a book, it's not based on songs that people had heard before. It's it's really a, an anomaly in yeah. in modern musical theater. Yeah. So it's off Broadway. It runs for like four months. Yeah, and then it goes right to and Broadway. And then it goes and then I mean it's so it's so innovative and yet traditional in its structure and in its themes and and universal message mm-hmm. that it really does just kind of get greenlit and goes straight to straight to Broadway. Yeah. And and wins the Tony for best musical. Yeah. I uh, I remember when I saw it when it was at 39 Arts off Broadway. Mm-hmm. You walk in and for those who have never seen a production of it the George Washington Bridge is a big part of the set. It's in the background and then it's all the tenement buildings you know, in the foreground. And I loved, first of all, knowing Washington Heights and walking in there and seeing the GWB there, (laughs) I I went, oh, my goodness. You know, there's a huge recognition and you're like, oh, I know this. Uh, I know this. this I know what this corner is. And as people came in and if they were from Washington Heights, they freaked out. Out oh. when they saw the set, and you know everybody starts feeling proud, and, oh. you know, and they're so ready for what whatever is going to happen because they don't know. Sure, you know, I was not prepared to cry as much as I did. <laughs> That's the best kind of crying. <laughs> but but I just loved watching these people's story. The so let's start. Let's talk about the story. It begins with Graffiti Pete. Mm-hmm. Who is a street artist has his you know spray cans doing uh you know street art graffiti, and he's trying to tag uh the bodega. Yeah. At which point we meet Usnavi, who was originally played by Lin Manuel Miranda, who also you know was the composer, mm-hmm. and he comes out and chases him away, and and then Usnavi 
begins to tell us where we are, mm-hmm. which is Washington Heights. Mm-hmm. And um, for those who don't know New York, can you explain a little bit where Washington Heights is? Okay. Um, Washington Heights is where where they specifically are. I think the bodega is on 183rd Street or, as we say, 183rd. <laughs> <laughs> but Washington Heights is like 181st Street up to like 196. So uptown. Yeah, it's upper Manhattan. It's a couple of blocks. For, it goes like from Broadway to the Hudson River. Okay. You know, it's high ground. There are hills. It was, there's at the very, very top edge on the northwest edge, there's like trees that have been there for hundreds of years. It's oh. like the oldest, you know. Really? Yeah, yeah. Alexander Hamilton had his house there. Wow. Hamilton Heights. <laughs> you wow. know, yeah. My gosh, talk the, about Yeah, there were there were people that had uh back back in revolutionary war times had their uh estates up there. Wow. Um but you could get a big apartment really cheaply there. You would take the one train or the A train. The A train was the express. The subway station at 181st Street is so deep underground you have to take an elevator to get to the Really to yeah. the to the actual yeah. track or the well, platform? No, to get up to the oh street. to the sidewalk. Yeah, yeah. Whoa, yeah. I don't think I realized that. Yeah, yeah. Also, <laughs> there is a, a noise level. You hit Broadway, and it's like just a constant Yeah, yeah. It's just you know all the neighborhood people. Uh, a Piragua guy. You know mm-hmm. what we what uh, I think a lot of people call shaved ice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's a cart. You have a big block of ice. There's this metal thing that you use that you shave the ice with. You put it in a cone and you put a little uh, a little syrup, a little on, syrup it. on it. It could be strawberry or grape or lemon, you know, cherry. Uh, and I grew up with I grew up with that. And then there was also coco helado, mm. which is like Italian ice but coconut. Mm. See now the time that I've spent with. The Latino community was in on my mission. Mm-hmm. Oh, it, it's now become like a running joke on, on my podcast. How many times am I going to bring up my mission for my church, <laughs> or or she loves me? And now I've already done both. But the when the Piragua guy in Texas, specifically among the Mexican community, would put pickle juice. Mm. That was like all of the kids' favorite, more than strawberry, whatever. Wow. Was pickle juice? They loved that. Wow. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. You know, I I had one of the most interesting ice creams I've ever had was peanut butter and pickle. (gasps) Stop it. (laughs) At a place called Scoops over in Chinatown. Yes. But they change it all the time, so I've never had it again. I had a little taste of it. I was like, peanut butter and pickle, how is that going to work? And I tasted it and went, okay, I need two scoops of that, please. (laughs) (laughs) I don't feel like I'm very bougie, but when it comes to artisanal ice creams sign me up i want the botanicals i want something that's called chrysanthemum jalapeno like i don't care give it <laughs> give me all of the weird flavors yeah okay so so usnavi is introducing everybody we meet uh the piragua guy who we just mentioned mm-hmm. we meet sunny who yeah. is his, his cousin, cousin right yeah and they both work at the bodega the bodega is uh is usnavi's but sunny works there he Usnavi is like convinced that he's lazy, but he's not really. No, no. He, he's just kind of hard on him. He's a sharp 
kid, yeah. Sonny. One He's going to fav- be a community leader. One you of my favorite him. characters in the yeah. whole piece is Sonny. He's so fantastic. We meet Abuela, mm-hmm. who's not really his abuela. No. Uh, Usnavi's parents passed away. Do we know how they died? They got sick, but it's never explained okay. how they got sick and what exactly they died from. So he's, what, a guy in his mid-20s who's running the family business. Right. And Abuela has kind of raised him yes. as her own. A- as amongst other kids in the community. And it's funny. I've talked to a lot of people after after the shows that said, oh, I had somebody in my neighborhood just like that. Mm-hmm. You know, who is the person that. You know, she has been there like the longest. Yes. Everybody knows who she is. She's a big ball of love. (laughs) She is an important part of the family of the community. One of the reasons why I love my my Latino brothers and sisters so much is because it is kind of matriarchal as, you know, machismo as it can be. There is so much respect for women. Yeah. And you can see that in Abuela. Everybody loves her, and she's kind of in charge. Oh, yeah. My grandmother was the head of our family. Right. Um, And also on both sides of my family. Yeah. We would go to my grandmother's house every Sunday. Really? Yes. Now my mother's one of nine girls. Oh, my gosh. So. (laughs) What a house. My grandmother's house would be Full of screaming, running children. We would run around in our underwear in the in the in the summer because it was too hot. So I mean, there was no hot. air conditioning. Well, that, that is kind of a big plot point in in the Heights is yeah. that it's just so freaking hot. Yeah, it's the hottest weekend of the summer, and it's the Fourth of July. Right. Um, you know, uh, the birthday of America. Very important. Yes, incredibly <laughs> symbolic. Yeah, yeah. And it forces everyone to be outside. Mm-hmm. You know, when we have our air conditioning, nobody goes outside. But if you don't have air conditioning. There was, I did not grow up with air conditioning. You're it just, was hot. You're just in your short when shorts. When I would stay at my grandmother's house, um, she would put us out to sleep on the on the um, fire escape. No way. Like rear window. I always think of <laughs> rear window. Uh, that's so, that's really cute. Yeah. Oh, I was going to say, there was a lady on my mission who was kind of an abuela, mm-hmm. and she taught me, paciencia y amor para que todo sea mejor. Uh, That's what she oh, would o- I love Isn't that. Isn't that so sweet? She would always say that, and I and so I think of her every time I listen to In the Heights, <sighs> which is patience and love makes everything better. Yeah. Oh, I just, I loved her so much. And she, <laughs> she taught me how to make tortillas, and oh, it's just such a sweet, wonderful that's woman. That's beautiful. Okay, then we also meet. Nina and her family. Yeah. The Rosarios, is that yeah, right? Yeah, the Rosarios. Camila so, and Kevin. Camila and Kevin. And Kevin owns a, a limo service. Yeah. Or like a car like a yeah, car, car service. service. And his wife, Camila, is also, like you said, kind of the one in charge even mm-hmm. though. Yeah. <laughs> because let me tell you something about cabs above 96th Street. They don't really happen. Oh, <laughs> really? So there are... Uh, People driving around, and there, there were, before Lyft and Uber, mm-hmm. there were people either driving around in their own cars, cruising the street, trying to, you know, if you needed a, a Yeah, you a need cab, a ride? Because taxis didn't want to go to those neighborhoods. Oh, wow. Yeah. I didn't think that that was or the you would reason call, why. Oh, that's the reason. Wow. Um, and so you would call a car service to take you, you know, oh. downtown or wherever you needed to be or the Bronx or whatever because you couldn't flag down a cab on the that's street. A, see, these are things that I just— Assume, but never think why. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, yeah, he has, like, a car service. Awesome. Yeah. But, like, why does he have a car service? Because the taxis won't go there. Yeah. Wow. So that's that's built-in business from the yeah. entire community. Wow. And then Nina is their daughter, mm-hmm. 
who has gone away to college. Yes, Stanford. To Stanford. And we find out that she is coming back, Mm -hmm. and they're very excited about this little reunion. Then we also meet the ladies at the beauty shop. Daniela and Carla. Also some of my favorites. (laughs) And Daniela owns the shop, right? Carla is kind of her little assistant apprentice. And then Vanessa, who also works works at the the shop. Yeah. And Vanessa is the the resident hottie Mm -hmm. of the community, and Usnavi has a big crush on her, but can't bring himself to talk to her. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to think. Are there any other members of the community that we haven't necessarily— Did we meet Benny? Oh, and then Benny, yeah. Yeah. So who's Benny? Benny works for Kevin Rosario. Uh, In the the car company. In the car company. He is African-American. Yeah, he's Uh, not Latino, and it's actually kind of a sticky situation. It's a big situation. He also is in love with Nina, mm. and during the course of the show, Nina falls in love with him, and it Very does not fiddler. go well with her father, who wants her to find somebody better. <laughs> Someone who doesn't work for him. Yeah, yeah. You, you can see how that yeah. would be triggering I'm, in many ways. You know, yeah, yeah. I'm sure he he wants her to meet like some dude at Stanford. Yeah, who some had, professional guy and with get, a degree and Yeah, and get out of there. Yeah. So it's a it's a huge sticking point. I mean, either way, it's a it's yeah. about tradition. Yeah. W- whether it's I want somebody from my culture marrying my daughter yeah. or somebody who's not from here yeah. marrying my daughter. Yeah, it's, he, it's, he's going to find a laser wolf for her. Yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But she wants to marry Muddle. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah. uh, okay, so then Nina arrives. Now, one of my friends, Carlos Mendoza, he d- has directed in the Heights a lot and mm-hmm. brings up this funny point, which is if Kevin owns a car service, why didn't they pick her up from the airport? Why did she have to be in charge of getting herself back? She took the back? red eye. She took the red eye. Oh, is that what yeah. it was? She, they said they, she got in at 3 a.m. last night. Oh, okay. Like, so yeah, it, was, you think. it was way. I mean, I'm going to send, yeah. Yeah, you're like, well, I or have all of these cars at my disposal. Yeah. Someone get on the dispatch and yeah. get someone to go yeah, pick up yeah. Nina. There are many questions. Absolutely. I have many questions. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I was like, hmm. I was like, well. You- and that is kind of fun to mm-hmm. sit back and be like, oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. Nina comes back and. We find out that she has basically had to drop out. Yeah. She had a scholarship to Stanford. She got put on academic probation because she was working two jobs on top of, you know, she had the scholarship. Her parents are working, you know, crazy amounts of hours to make sure that she can go to to college. But then also there's the expenses of books and things that the scholarships don't cover. And so she's working two jobs, falling behind in the schoolwork gets put on probation, and then ultimately goes on a leave of absence. Mm-hmm. And like you said, one of the things she's not looking forward to about this this return home is that she has to tell her family what's going on. Yeah. Because she hasn't. She hasn't been upfront with them, which I think is, uh, you know, in, in the traditional way of the family. Like, if you had just been honest with me, but with all of the sacrifices that they had made, she just couldn't disappoint everybody yeah. like that. She's not only disappointing her parents, but everybody in the na- neighborhood. The whole I mean, there's that the uh breathe song mm-hmm. that she sings, that my first big crying of when I course. saw it. Um, you know, about being the hope of the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And then you the women in the neighborhood are singing Nina, you know, no te preocupa por ella. Mm-hmm. I don't have to worry about her. Mm-hmm. She's our she's star. Our star. Yeah. <laughs> That's and you know, and she's got to come Dragging her feet home, going, I, I'm not, I failed. Yeah. I crashed and burned, and I can't do this. 
talking a little bit about the score, I love that right from the get-go, we start out with the rap, you know, like you said, lights up on Washington Heights up. Mm-hmm. And I can imagine what it was what it would be like for a, a more traditional musical theater crowd that's never experienced music like this to sit and, you know, suddenly be thrust into this world with this type of music. And then Lin-Manuel does something so smart, which is within the first three minutes of his rap, he drops both Duke Ellington mm-hmm. and Cole Porter. Mm-hmm. And I think in a subconscious sort of way says, we're going to be okay. You're going to be okay, even if you're not used to this type of music. I respect this art form, and this is going to feel much more familiar than you might think it is. Mm-hmm. And I I love that. I, yeah. lo- I, I, th- I, f- I find it so generous. Yeah. And also, he starts off easy. As you get in, mm-hmm. you know. Then it starts spitting. It, it can, he can— It'll get faster, but in the beginning, he lets you in easy. Mm-hmm. You understand everything. And do you know what? I, it also brings up a, a, an interesting challenge, I think, for directors and or choreographers when as rap becomes more in, integrated into musical theater, you've got these words that are coming out, so much information at such a quick pace. Mm-hmm. How much of it do you stage? What things do you need to point out so that the audience hears specific information? It's a it's a really fun, interesting yeah, problem love, to solve. I love how everybody gets into it's like tradition. Mm-hmm. You everybody gets everybody in the neighborhood gets introduced. They all come out and they do a little thing and mm-hmm. they move on to start their day. Yeah, and everybody in the neighborhood comes in and buys stuff for at the bodega. Right, it's so. Beautifully constructed. What always blows me my, my mind uh, because there are epic numbers, mm-hmm. ninety six thousand. Incredible, unbelievable. The um, blackout. Blackout. Yeah. There are so many vocal lines mm-hmm. that if you listen to the recording five hundred thousand times, you could still hear you would, something. You new. will hear something new. I kept hearing new because I didn't. You know, when the first time you do the show. You're just worried about, like, when you come in. (laughs) In that, you're just worried about your line, and that is it. Um, Especially if you're like, Daniela's is, hers is in really fast Spanish. Mm. Really fast Spanish. Mm -hmm. You know, the rhythms and the melodies and the, they, you know, there's like six of them at the same time, and they all join beautifully together. It's, it's amazing to me. And then what's so great about the, well, just kind of the flow of the show is that right out of the this opener, like you said, comes Breathe, mm-hmm. which I think is one of the most beautiful I want songs of mm-hmm. the last, you know, 10, 15 years. Yeah. And, and so character driven, but also gloriously sung mm-hmm. and just gives you chills, yeah. you know, listening yeah. to, a, to yeah. a song like that. So the combination of innovation yeah. in this show, along with familiarity, I think is just yeah. It's just so I think in the first beautiful. half hour of the show, you find out what every single person in this show wants. Mm. You know, because Vanessa has her I want song. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite lyrics is Vanessa's, who, for those who are following along, the <laughs> the crush of Usnavi. Mm-hmm. Um, in her song, It Won't Be Long Now, it's one of my, my favorite lyrics and one of my favorite parts of her character. She's talking about the how the guys check her out as she walks down the street, and she says, their machismo pride doesn't break my stride and that they're like whistling at her because they've got nothing good to say or mm-hmm. no, nothing else to say. Yeah. And that that whole verse is so indicative of 
girls that I know who are my friends, and I have never heard it in musical theater before. Mm. You know, the, these, these girls who, who are beautiful and, and in, in musical theater, you know, when a girl gets whistled at, she usually like makes a squeaky noise and, you know, has a blonde wig. But like this girl, this girl wants something more than that. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's so refreshing. And, and I love that about her character. Yeah. Let's see what, what happens next? Oh, um, let's talk a little bit about what's going on with the car service and Kevin. Mm-hmm. He ha- he sings a song called Inutil, mm-hmm. which means... Useless. Yeah, that's kind of how he feels mm-hmm. because his he's having uh, business troubles, uh, financial problems. And when, as a man, when you feel like you can't take care of your family from a financial place, it's like, what what's where's my worth? Yeah. You know, how was your experience with your, with a, your father in terms of what you feel like his pressures were? Yeah. Well, um, my father uh, passed away when I was a baby. So my oh, stepfather wow. okay. is the one. Now, he was an artist. Was he really? Yeah, wow. Yeah, how unique. Yeah. Uh, he was Japanese and Irish. Oh, wow. <laughs> his name was Drake Shigasaki. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I'm I'm officially obsessed with your childhood. <laughs> With your grandma with nine daughters and then your Irish-Japanese father who's an artist. Yeah, yeah. So uh, he would – he was a commercial artist. He would retouch uh, – he would retouch photos for magazines by hand, for, you know, before Photoshop. Um, but he would come home and paint at night. Oh, so wow. I owe him my artistic life because the day I said, I want to be an actress, it was like – Okay. Of course you let's do. Find you a, <laughs> let's find you an acting class. But also, you know, it's it's hard because I went to NYU. My two younger sisters went to community college. Wow. Because they were afraid to put my parents under that much financial strain. They did not want to do that to them. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I, I my parents helped me out the first two years and I said, okay, I'm going to do the rest myself. And that was not, I almost flunked out like Nina. Really? Yeah, yeah, it was crazy. Um, that's, you don't want to do that to your parents. Of course. You don't want them to get into so much debt. You don't want them to to do without everything, you know, mm. to give you a life. Yeah. You know, uh, though, you would you do that for your family, and you you know. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> but you want your children to have more than you did. You are doing this and running this cab company, so you know Kevin's running this cab company so that his daughter could have something different. And then and then she comes back not... and says, "I can't because I couldn't afford the book, so I had to have it." You know, and that's like that's because I couldn't give that to you. Yeah, he takes it on. It's it's. It's universal. Yeah. I mean, all my friends are now trying to figure out how they're going to pay back those loans, sending their kids to, like, my kid wanted to go to Carnegie Mellon, so mm-hmm. I'm going to do what I can. How are you going it's, to yeah. – it's hard. Yeah. Everybody ha- sacrifices something for their children yeah. or, for, you know, for their family. Yeah. I remember uh, I had a, th- a therapist once say that the only real sacrifice is parenthood. Uh-huh. Because I, that's, it's not about you. It's it's just not. One of the things that the that we discover kind of early on is that at the bodega you can also buy lottery tickets. Oh, of course! Right? Lottery t- liquor stores and bodegas—they do great business in lottery. <laughs> <laughs> they sell so many lottery tickets, and, and you know that's a big thing. You feel like I'm never going to make enough money to get out of here. So right. the only way I'm going to do it is 
by playing the lotto. It is, is by hitting the jackpot. <laughs> yeah. And then play it, the numbers. As it just so happens, <laughs> Usnavi finds out that there's a winning lotto ticket from his bodega. Yeah, yeah, the Take 5 Lotto, 96,000. So that means that there's $96,000 mm-hmm. that someone has just won and they don't know who it is. Yeah. So then this number begins. And the, when I first heard this cast album, 96,000 was the song that I sent to all of my brothers-in-law who didn't know that musical theater could sound like this. And I was like, "Okay, listen to this. You might like this." Yeah. Because <laughs> it's it's so thrilling and and like you said, uh fresh and layered and uh and intricate. Mm-hmm. Everybody imagining what they would do if they had $96,000. Yes, and Sonny's rap. Oh. So great. Oh, that's how you know. You're like, this guy's got so much going for him, and Anusnavi doesn't give him the credit. Right. <laughs> right. You're so right. Oh, that's another—in in this song is another one of those rap moments where I, that I would always get stuck in my head. The, oh, no, here goes Mr. Braggadocio. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it always got stuck in my head. After 96,000, uh, we discovered that the winning— Lottery ticket belongs to Abuela Claudia. Yes. I hope I'm not spoiling this for everybody. No, no, we're, we'll, we, we should we're know going, by now. Yeah, we're going through the plot. Uh, we, yeah, uh, uh, Abuela Claudia has won the ticket. She hasn't told anybody yet. Um, she goes, <laughs> you know, she's in a fog. Yeah. Because what do you do with that information? You've spent your whole life, you know, cleaning people's houses and you know, helping take care of kids in the neighborhood and, you know, just eking out your living. Mm -hmm. And you get this big win. Now, $96,000 in 2020 money isn't much. But But it's more than... It's still a lot. If I won $96,000, it would be a a life changer for me. Yeah. You know, it's a lot of... It's not the mega millions, but it's enough to change things. Um, it's enough to change things, but fo- not ruin things. Yeah, and you then know? <laughs> we, we find out who she is hmm. and where she's from and what her life was. Uh, you know, she came, she was born in Cuba. She came here in the early 1940s. Her mother, I, I guess there was no father in the picture, and they were starving, and her mother brought her to New York, and they cleaned houses together, and— all through her life, her mother would tell her, paciencia y fe, have patience and faith. You know, and she has all, that has been her mantra. She tells everybody that. And now it's, it, it has, you know, this, the patience, having patience and faith truly has paid off. Um, you know, and even, even if she didn't win this money, her life would be full. It would be full. Because yeah. she's in a, you know, she's, she's a beloved a- part. She has a family you know, even though her mother's gone and she doesn't have a a family of her own, her family is that community and right. they adore her. Um, it's it's an epic song. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's a long Tour song and to to sing, but it's so much fun to do. Mm. And when she, you don't know that she's won the lottery until like the last sixteen bars of. That that's the, what she's that been song. singing about and this whole time. she pulls out, what do I, do? and she says, what do I do with this winning ticket? And to hear the audience go, oh, <gasps> every night is so much fun. Oh, what a great reveal. You know, because if you haven't seen the show before, you're not knowing that that's coming. Yeah, yeah. 
You know, oh, you're like, that. why is she singing this long song about her life? What's right. going on with her? And then you find out what's going on. <laughs> and she decides that with the money, she's going to split it into thirds. Thirds, yeah. A third for her, a third for Asnavi, and a third for Sunny. How cool is that? How beautiful. Now, in the meantime, Sunny has asked Vanessa out for Usnavi. <laughs> And because Usnavi doesn't have, you know, the guts to do it. So they decide that they're going to go out dancing in the club. Mm-hmm. That is why they're all going to the club. Mm-hmm. Benny and Nina have kind of uh, revealed their love to her parents who have. Actually, ha- that hasn't really happened yet. They were, they had, there was a, there's a, there's a do, dinner at their house before oh, they go dancing. Okay. But there is a fight. And what is the fight then the if fight, it's not the, about their romance? Uh, it's because Kevin announces that he has sold <gasps> That's right. the car service to this company for not nearly enough money because they mention uh, Camila mentions, oh yeah, you know, uptown, uptown investments, another offer, it's nothing. Right. You know, but in, in, af- in order to pay for Nina's yes, schooling. Be, yes. So once he finds out, once after he's sung uh, Inutil, he has, you know, and he couldn't get another loan. Mm-hmm. He goes to Uptown Investments and cuts a deal with them. So he makes, and he's so proud. He goes, now you can go back to school. It's all taken care of. And everybody freaks out right. because all those drivers mm-hmm. have just lost their job. That Benny has just lost his job. Nina and Camila, uh, Nina's like, please don't do this. Don't right. do this. Even more a- pressure And Camila's like, now. what are we going to do? What are we going to have now? And he's like, well, I'll go back to fixing cars. You know, that blows up the dinner party. You know, everybody runs out because it's it becomes a fight. Right. And so Benny and Nina have this fight at the at the, at the club. Because he's, been, you know, yeah. going to get wasted, essentially, to, yeah. to deal with yeah. this bad news. Yeah, you That's know, funny. and basically calls her a princess and the, your, your daddy's going to take care of you, but I don't have a job. What about me? Yeah. 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 So now they're all kind of at this club. And the heat in the city has become so bad and overwhelmed the power that there's a huge blackout. Blackout? Have you have you worked? Well, they have blackouts here. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, but uh, I have lived through several massive blackouts. like me- mega blackouts. <laughs> yes, yes. You know where you know the power would be out for several days. Oof. <laughs> and then everybody just gets the meat out of the— uh, Everything goes bad in your refrigerator. Exactly. That means that means in New Block York party. <laughs> block party. Also, it means that, you know, your food goes bad in your refrigerator. You can't take the subway. Oh, shoot. I didn't even think you about subway. You can't get on the bus because there's no there's no, there's no, no traffic lights. Right. You can't Everything get shuts anything down. done. You can't go to work. You can't, you know, um, I, I remember after Superstorm Sandy, mm-hmm. uh, we didn't have power for about four or five days, and we didn't have heat for about 14 days. Oh. And— I was temping in Midtown, and I would take all my electronics. My husband and I would take our electronics. We'd go up to where I was temping, and mm-hmm. they said you could take a shower there. We would plug in all our electronics and juice them up, and mm-hmm. then Darren would go back home with all the electronics, and I would work. And, you know, and you would walk. It would, took me like over an hour to walk, you know. So right. this is these are the things you have to deal with when there's a blackout. Also, what happens is there's some— there's some looting right. that happens. People break in, break store windows and grab things. Which and is one of the problems of the bodega. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, the you know, some people come in and they break into, they can't get the 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 grate, the mm-hmm. little metal grate. That he's having problems getting it to come back down. Right. And 
you know, Sonny is, is minding the store with Graffiti Pete, who is also very underestimated. It's true. <laughs> Undervalued member of the yes, community. Yes, yes, Because Usnavi thinks he's a bad influence on Sonny. And then right. you find out later that is not the case. That's not the case. They're really cool people. This blackout number, after doing the Rent episode that I did earlier mm-hmm. or, you know, late last year, I went in this deep dive of Jonathan Larson and then... After after that, revisiting in the Heights, I was all of a sudden very aware of how much Jonathan Larson influence there is yeah. in the show, particularly in Blackout. I feel like Christmas Bells mm-hmm. and Blackout have a lot of yeah. similarities. And even the champagne number between Vanessa and Usnavi at the end of the second act has a lot of similarities with Light My Candle. Yeah. And, and then to find out that how what a big influence rent was for Lin Manuel. Yeah, and Tick Tick Boom. Yeah, yeah. And now he's making a you know film version of Tick Tick yeah. Boom. So I really see him keeping the Jonathan Larson spirit alive mm-hmm. with this show as yeah. well. Yeah. So uh blackout happens, Benny and Nina make up. Uh we check on in on on Abuela who is, you know, looking at the stars, yeah. every, everyone. and she reveals to Usnavi that she was. She's got a big bag of cash. <laughs> that's another one of my questions. How does she get that bag of cash? Hey, that's a good point. You know? How, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, doesn't it take a few days to get the check? I, yeah. I'm like, I was like, we've, we've, we've messed with, you know. A little, bit of, yeah, a little bit of time. Yeah, but that's okay. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> because it's much more fun to carry around a, a bag a full of cash than a cash. check. <laughs> Who because needs one of those bag Because there's also more, checks. you know, you've got to protect the money. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Now, this blackout, even though we have the awesome fireworks from the 4th of July and everything, um, lasts for longer than we would like mm-hmm. lasts for a couple of days, yeah, correct? But it also Nina and Benny finally. Oh, they kiss get with the firework. Yes, oh, so sweet. The the reaction during the student matinee. Oh, I'm sure. Oh, crazy, the kids crazy. love it. I would love to watch this show with a with a student matinee. Oh, it's so much fun. Oh, okay. <laughs> so Benny and Nina spend the night together. The next morning, now we're in. Are we in Act Two now? Already? We're in Act Two. Great. Moving right along. Everybody's kind of outside because of of this blackout. Yeah. Now, um, how do you feel about Act Two? Do you do you do you like Act Two? I love Act okay. Two. Okay. So well, you should talk about is a little very, bit. The, the beginning is very. First of all, it's a love song, yes. and and the Nina sunrise. teaching Benny. Yes, yeah, so it's just you know after all this craziness and loud and cacophony and mm-hmm. everybody singing over each other, mm-hmm. then there's this beautiful, this more this this dawn that breaks. That's alternately beautiful and heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. You know, the two, Nina and Benny have, have found each other. They've spent the night together. She's teaching him Spanish. Mm-hmm. But then downstairs, they're on the, they're on the, they're on the fire escape, just like West Side Story. Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> and, uh, and in the meantime, Usnavi's got to clean up the mess from his bodega. From the looting. Vanessa is really pissed at him because he... He didn't he, really deliver on the date. No, well, he didn't. He didn't find her. Like he didn't. He was looking for her, but she doesn't know that. Right. And then he had to leave because of the store, and he had to check on Abuela, and so she feels like he just abandoned her. Mm. You know. Yeah. He's not. You know. He's he, not interested. He didn't think of her. Right. Um, Kevin and Camila are looking for their daughter because they don't know where she is. Right. She didn't come home. Yeah. So. Alongside this beautiful love moment, there's 
this this horrible disappointment and sadness and contrast. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but then. Carnival. Carnival, my favorite number. <laughs> Is it? I love that number. It's so fun. And it's such a great moment for Daniela, the, yeah. the owner of the Yeah, of the yeah, salon. because she, you know, the last day of her salon has been kind of destroyed because right. she has to move to the Bronx because she's been gentrified out. You know, her mm. rent has been raised. The, the idea of gentrification is something that that my generation, I think, both celebrates and rolls our eyes at at the same time. You know, it's a, gentrification is a, is a two-edged sword. Um, you're so excited that a Starbucks has finally moved into your neighborhood, but then you know that within five years, that means you're not going to be able to afford to live there. So it's almost <laughs> like the Starbucks moving in is telling the people that have been in the neighborhood for years and years— this is too nice for you. You have to leave. <laughs> so it's where, – where does everybody go? Where exactly. Everybody... Look, I grew up in New York. And uh, when I was going to college in the late 1970s – I am really old. Wow. Uh, <laughs> that, uh, which is why I always play abuela. <laughs> <laughs> but you could. You could get – a three-year lease easily. It used to be you could get more than that. You could pick a neighborhood, start knocking on doors, and in a day or two, you could find an apartment. You know, you would knock, knock on doors. You would knock on doors to find to, an apartment. Yeah, and and talk to the superintendents. You know, make a deal with them, maybe pay them off a little, and you had a place to stay. Wow. And and by 1980, all of that was gone. Really. You know, in, in order to get a cheap apartment, everybody wanted a studio. Well, once mm. realtors found out that everybody wanted a studio, the prices of studios started going up. Mm. Like within a few years, all of a sudden, all the rents doubled. That's so fascinating. You know, and, uh, you know, over the years, you start getting more people coming into New York from all over the world. They mm. had already been doing that. But, I mean, serious money coming in, investing in real estate, investing in apartments that people didn't necessarily live in. Yeah. And this is a big thing that we're talking about in in the Heights. Absolutely. Absolutely. An ever-changing landscape and one where you don't know if it means that your home is where you live. Exactly. So so they are not only celebrating the 4th of July, but they're it's really hot. There's no power. You know, we're powerless. Yeah. In every sense of the word. In every sense of the word. And she was like, you know what? We're going to make this a party. It's the 4th of July. Let's. And then the culmination of that is Usnavi's Us- announcing that Abuela Claudia won the lotto. Yes. So much to celebrate yeah. until, unfortunately. Until at the end of that, Nina runs down, t- uh, tells something to Usnavi. They run into the building and you find out. Kevin comes out and announces that Abuela Claudia has died. From the heat. From the heat. She's, she was not great at taking her medications. No, she was Because wasn't. it would give her headaches. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that combined with the heat, which is a very real thing. Oh, we we lose so die. many elderly yeah. people in blackouts, whether it's in the winter or the summer. Yeah. Because of the, you know, the temperatures. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, she, she unfortunately has passed, which is such a huge blow to the oh, community. Oh, my gosh. And they sing this beautiful alabanza song alabanza meaning meaning praise yeah yeah, praise to this Mm -hmm. and you know they go and they leave things on her stoop 
you know, candles and little mementos and little pictures and everything. Yeah. And it's just another like Ugh. ugly crying. Of course. Lots of ugly crying. <laughs> you know, and then the, the song afterwards, uh, uh, All That I Know, where Nina and Usnavi go through Abuela's pictures and things and they reminisce yeah. about what an impact she's had on their lives. And, and, and it's a real moment for Nina who realizes yeah. that Oh, kind of what we were talking about earlier, that her education began with Abuela. Yeah. It's its not just about her. It's mm-hmm. a, it, this, this is about carrying on the legacy of so many people, mm-hmm. which means that now she's going to take a humble piece of pie and take the money from her yeah. dad and try yeah. and go back to school. Yeah. Um, you know, which is so great, mm-hmm. you know, and she is determined to succeed. She knows what it is now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, she knows what she has to do. It's important because you don't always come back from a blow like that. No, no, absolutely not. And to have so many blows in a row, uh-huh. to it, that's why I said a humble piece of pie. Because you really do have to have a moment within yourself of being okay. This is up to me. Mm-hmm. It's not uh, up to all of this crap that's surrounding me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so she goes. Things wrap up pretty quickly because uh, Usnavi and Abuela Claudia, before she died, they have this song about how she's. They're going to go to Dominican Republic. Back home. Yeah. Now she can't go back to Cuba, mm-hmm. but she's going to go. You know, to where Usnavi is. Yeah, yeah. From. Uh, and I, I think that that's so. It's so beautiful because they're they're talking about going back home. Mm-hmm. Ignoring the fact that where they are might already be home. Be home, yeah. You know, yeah. And so that's what they're going to use their money for. They're going to get out of Washington Heights, go home, mm-hmm. and Usnavi decides that he, you know, wants to continue that for himself because mm-hmm. Vanessa is going to be moving away anyway. The and, salon is closing. Yeah. Everything seems to be changing. Yeah. So might as well just go along well, with it. Yeah, but Sonny is not up with that idea. Sonny is not. And then <laughs> the, this is when he and Graffiti Pete really do show their true colors. Yes. Because Usnavi comes to, you know, essentially say goodbye. And there's a little surprise where Sunny finally gets the grate down. Mm-hmm. And Graffiti Pete has created this beautiful memorial to Abuela. Yes. You know, and that is a thing mm-hmm. because it's a spray painted mural mm-hmm. of Abuela's face and it says Paciencia y Fe. Which, which is her beautiful. Now, this is a thing that. It, it, I, um, in my neighborhood on the Lower East Side, there are memorials like that oh. up on. I don't know how they got sometimes all the way up on the side of a building. It was like, how did you get up there to do that? <laughs> Beautiful. You know, you may not know who that person was, mm-hmm. but that person was very important to the artist or the people in the neighborhood. And so there is this beautiful spray painted mural on the sides of buildings for people. And There's one it. in my neighborhood for uh, Robin Williams. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. yeah there's one just a couple of blocks away from me. So that is a thing. Mm-hmm. You know, and you see that Graffiti Pete is an artist. I Giving love that. Back. Sunny says you have, you have to uh, commission an artist when the price is still low. Yes. <laughs> But but he is giving back to his community in the way that all of them have been contributing all this time. Yeah. And it's a game changer for Usnavi. He sees this and realizes, maybe I am home. Yeah. He decides, that's my flight. I'm not going. Mm -hmm. I'm going to stay here. Vanessa, even though she's moving downtown, she's she's made a a connection with Usnavi, and they're going to be a thing. Yeah. He's going to stand up for himself and, and, and have a second date. 
and be the storyteller of this street. Yeah, and be- Nina's going back to Stanford, and Benny is backing that. Mm-hmm. There's a beautiful song that he sings to her at the end, you know, and he tells her that he believes in her and, like, he will try to make his way out there, but he is going to back her all the way. Yeah. And and he tells her how much potential she has and how mm. special she is. And her success is his dream, too. Uh. And it's so beautiful. Yeah. You know, and also, you know, and expresses his love. And it's it's really lovely. So everything is, like, really coming together in an incredible way. And like you said, this is this area will never be the same again after no. these three days. No. Not necessarily for the better because, of course, there's the heartbreak of losing Abuela. There's the heartbreak of gentrification in yeah. a way. The salon is gone. The, the car service is gone. But there is this flame of hope. Yeah. And this, also, Usnavi is like the community memory. Yeah. Yeah, he's going to be the collective. Yeah. The collective memory. Yeah, he's the key to what was and where it's come. this community has come from. All these people that were a core group of people are all going away. Yeah. And, you know, Usnavi could just lock up yeah. the bodega and say, I'm out too. Right. But the fact that he says, wait a minute, what am I talking about? This is home. This is home. I'm I, home. And yeah. every great American musical has a, a sense of hope about it. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily optimistic, but hope. And I, I read a review of In the Heights when it first came out that, that talked about it being the first great musical of the Obama era. Yeah. Which I thought was so interesting because Obama, in for so many people, represented yeah. kind, so of, did a, kind open... of a musical of politics, yeah. a, a sense of hope yeah. that maybe things could be different. And, um, and I think that, that the hope of In the Heights is what makes it so uh, moving to me mm-hmm. and and that sense of family. It, it, it's something that will continue on. Yeah. I, I think it, people could very, not easily, but very misguidedly say that In the Heights just served as laying the groundwork for Hamilton, and it is not. No. It's a beautiful piece unto itself. Yeah. And one that because it's traditional enough to be performed in high schools and community theaters has a, had a huge outreach and influence on our culture. Yeah. When these stories get to be shared to more people, their influence is, is wider and yeah. greater. People want to see these stories. Um, productions of In the Heights have always done incredibly well. Mm-hmm. I remember talking to somebody at a, who ran a theater and suggesting In the Heights and and at the time, they were like, no, 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 it's not going to play here. And then Hamilton opened and it was such a big hit. They're like, you know what? We're going to do in the do Heights. <laughs> and it was the best selling thing they had. Wow. Isn't that fascinating? Yeah. Sometimes you got to you got to give your audiences the benefit of the doubt. Maybe they're maybe they're better than you think they are. Yeah. I know you have to go. But really quickly, you were in On Your Feet. The Gloria yes, Stefan musical. the Gloria Stefan music. I also played Gloria Stefan's abuela. <laughs> She's got all the abuelas. <laughs> now, did you were you ever able to meet Gloria? Yes, yes. Uh, 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 Gloria and Emilio are very hands on with this piece. Uh-huh. Um, if you auditioned for the show and you were being considered seriously for a role, they had to give the final say. Oh my gosh! When I auditioned, I got word back that the creative team. Uh, liked me, but it was up to Gloria and Emilio. They said yes. And then I finally got to meet them when we opened at the Pantages. Here in Los Angeles. Yeah. They, they, oh, 
They're so nice. Oh, that's so They cool. were so nice. And so, like, uh, Emilio has still has his, like, heavy accent. Oh, yeah. You know, and then he still gets words mixed up. And there's this whole thing that there's there's a whole joke, you know, that everybody knows between them that, you know, she's always correcting his English. <laughs> Translating. So <for> we took... <laughs> We took pictures and 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 he said to his assistant, "Okay, okay, we have to put it on internet." And, and, and Gloria said, "Emilio, Instagram." Yes, <laughs> get it right, hubby. I, I laughed so hard. I That's thought, so "Oh my great. god, it really is that whole dynamic between the two of them." But they're they're very uh, open hearted, and they they were able to cross over from the Spanish language uh, market into the American pop market, and then they kept the door open and they helped other people. Absolutely. And the, I, like Shakira and Mark and Anthony. And Ricky and Martin. And Ricky Martin. Jennifer Lopez. Yeah. And the, I, I bring them up because I think they are in many ways tied to In the Heights. I, I'm a white farm boy from Utah, and when I heard Conga, it changed my life. And Gloria Stefan's Greatest Hits was the first CD I ever bought with my own money. And and then by the late 90s, you know, the 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 influence in music was just undeniable. And that door was busted open oh, by, Glo- yeah. by Gloria and Emilio. It, it, it was amazing what they did. And so I, I, I just I love that that has continued on yeah. into and the musical theater in tradition. The, in our our tour, five of the 10 musicians were original Miami Sound Machine. Stop it. Oh, yeah. pass out right now. That's so cool. The sound was amazing. I, I'm sure it was a, just like a concert. The yeah. whole, oh, that's so cool. Yeah. It was just, we would, there would be as much dancing offstage in the wings as there were, there was on stage. Oh, what a great, yeah. like, thing to be, what a great energy to be a part of. Mm-hmm. Uh Deborah Cardona, I know you have to go, but thank you so much for coming and discussing In the Heights. Thank you so much for asking me. This This show has a big part of my heart, so thank you. Thank you for having this conversation with me. Of course, and thank you, Lynn manuel and everybody who made it happen for all of those who keep sharing our stories. Uh, paciencia y fe. Paciencia y fe. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.